0: This is the Actors' Diet Podcast, episode number 9, with Dave Boyle. Now, Dave is a director, actually. He and I have worked on three films together, White on Rice, Surrogate Valentine, and Daylight Savings. And um, he is also an actor, even though he doesn't call himself one, the very first film he ever did, Big Dreams, Little Tokyo, he starred in. And in the movie, Yes, We're Open, which I was in, um, he had a role in that as well. So you're gonna hear a conversation that we're having um, about, well, we kick it off right away, talking about uh, the scene in Yes, We're Open, where basically we're eating quesadilla is made of kim cheese um kimchi plus cheese equals kim cheese um so we have a little discussion about that about all of the food that he was eating for that scene and um also i don't know if we go into it because i haven't totally listened to the re-listened to the episode yet but um we had just come off of doing dave's podcast um so we were switching from interview right into another interview and in dave's podcast um it was for a kickstarter that he's doing for his most recent film man from reno which i'm not in but i did bake them a cake a wine cake And all you have to do to find the recipe for that is go to theactorsdiet.com and type in man from vino, V-I-N-O, and you'll find the delicious cake recipe right there. Um, So without further ado, the Kickstarter campaign is going until August, August 21st. And they are trying to raise $50,000 for this. So if you're listening to this before August 21st, it's a worthwhile project. There's lots and lots of um, incentives. But just in general, you'll be supporting a really great filmmaker who I believe in. And he's a great friend as well.
1: I've
0: got director and actor Dave Boyle here. The first thing I want to talk about with Dave is all that kimchi's quesadilla that you ate for the movie yes we're open that we did together. Oh yeah. You ate a lot a lot of quesadillas stuffed with kimchi for that.
1: I did, yeah.
0: Did you know going in that day that you were going to be eating an entire plate and then some?
1: From what I remember, I don't I I actually don't remember if the food that was being eaten was specified in the script um, I knew there was going to be a, a dinner scene so I kind of expected that there was going to be some spit bucket action um, but the problem was is that in the wide shot I was basically like right in the middle of it as you guys were talking so I I couldn't really I had to eat, you know, yeah. I wasn't talking there was no excuse for me not to be eating so, uh, so I took one for the team you
0: took a cheese bullet
1: yeah, and and, uh, you know, I gotta say, all things considered, I sort of wish that they actually were kimchi quesadillas, because if I remember correctly, it was basically like Monterey Jack cheese and ketchup and <laughs> tortillas, and, um, so, I, that I don't, would have been
0: a little more flavorful.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big ketchup guy anyway, unless it's like umami burger ketchup, hmm. in which case I'm there, uh, but, you know... It's uh, for me, it it was a valuable experience getting some perspective on on the the little things that actors go through to give good performances, and as a filmmaker, it's always nice to keep that in perspective. You got to know what you're asking of people, you know.
0: Absolutely. What about all the popcorn you ate the next day?
1: I don't think I had I ate that much popcorn actually. They, were,
0: they had you eating a lot. They're like, it's funny watching. Dave Boyle eat. Let's just give him stuff to eat.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably because when I eat I move my upper jaw instead of my my lower jaw like a Muppet. So like my <laughs> entire head moves when I eat. But the thing I remember about the uh about the movie theater scene is that um somebody was supposed to brush past me and hit me in the head with their mes- with their messenger bag and we had to do it a whole bunch of times and then and then Rich stepped in. I think the one in the final cut is actually Rich grabbing the bag and and uh and he hit me in the head with it. Oh. He really seemed to enjoy that.
0: Um okay, so we're going to shift gears a little bit. I wanted to cuz I know that you travel an awful lot and I want to know a little bit about road food and uh what, what are some of your favorite things to eat when you're on the road? Do you, do you go into road mode? I go into road mode.
1: I definitely go into road mode and my problem is, is that I'm in road mode so often that it's starting to overtake my dietary habits in real life even when I'm not on the road. Um, you know, it's, it's funny with the, with the mcdonalds of vacation of America, there's, there aren't really a whole lot of like unique places left on the side of the road. When you read about people um, who travel cross country a lot back in like the 1930s through the 1970s, even, um, you read about classic roadside diners that were, you know, originally diner cars from trains that had been abandoned and people turned them into standalone restaurants and stuff. And those, those kinds of places thrived because they were the only places to eat. Those have all been replaced pretty much with um, McDonald's subway uh, all the all these chain restaurants and um, So for example the, the the road trip that I take the most often is between Los Angeles and Salt Lake City, Utah or Provo, Utah, which is where my sister lives and I I Still do a lot of work up there and post-production and stuff like that um, And I I kind of have like a set routine of of where I stop to gas up and where I stop to eat. And uh, there's just a handful. There's a little bit of variety each time. But, um, you know, the, the drive to Vegas from which is kind of the halfway point, but but not quite the timing usually doesn't work out. So that I get to Vegas right when I'm hungry or like when it's mealtime or whatever. And also, if you stop and get off to eat at, at in Vegas, like you're going to end up like you know, losing so much time because, you know, it's it's an ordeal to get off the, and find some place and, and then get back on the road and everything. So I often find myself stopping in um, Rancho Cucamonga on my way out of town.
0: I like just the sound of that place.
1: <laughs> and, uh, okay, well, let, let me tell you a little story. When I was a Mormon missionary in Sydney, Australia, one of the... Uh, one of the things that I loved, which was always a, a break from, from the rigors of walking around with a white shirt and tie and trying to stop people and get them to talk to me, was a Portuguese style chicken sandwich place called Oporto. And it's a nationwide chain in Australia, and it's very delicious, affordable, I mean it's basically, it's fast food, but it's fresh grilled, really good ingredients, mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome. And, um, and it was also one of the few like, restaurants that we could afford to eat at because I think at the time it was like the equivalent of uh, 2 dollars or $3 for a, for a meal there. So cut to a couple of years ago, I was driving on my way out of town to go, to, to go back to Utah and I stopped off in Rancho Cucamonga to gas up and i m- made a wrong turn and i turned into a parking lot and then right in front of me like a, like a I, d- I don't know what it was like but it was almost like there were a choir of angels was singing as i saw this there was an oporto right in front of my face and i had to rub my it was almost like a mirage i had to rub my eyes i was like this is am i really seeing this oporto in america and indeed It was Oporto, USA's flagship store Wow. Rancho Cucamonga. Um, So then I found myself, you know, I I ate there and it was like this, it was all these memories came flooding back. It's funny how even if something maybe is not like the best food you've ever had, there's like these, these, these nostalgic things that it brings back. I found myself like remembering stuff that I hadn't thought about in years. Like
0: in Ratatouille.
1: I never saw that, oh. but yeah. <laughs>
0: Spoiler alert.
1: <laughs> and uh, and so I found myself making more and more excuses to drive out to Rancho Cucamonga whenever I'm here in LA. I, I even got like a storage unit out there. Um, you know, I needed a storage unit anyway, but why not have one that's just a few blocks away from my favorite Portuguese-style chicken burger place? And um, unfortunately. You know, it didn't really seem to catch on. I kind of feel like if Oporto had opened one in in uh, L.A. proper, it, it might have caught on a little bit more. But one time I, I went back there, and I was shocked, shocked, to see that the Oporto sign had been taken down and replaced with a big cartoon chicken, and it said, Feisty. And they had basically taken all the Oporto chicken burgers and named them Feisty Burgers, and... um. I went in there and grilled the the staff who were all clearly very annoyed by my presence. I was like, "What is this? Is this the same as Oporto? What's going on here?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's the it's exactly the same. We just added a few menu items." And it's true. Like the the chili sauce that I had grown to love so much when I lived in Australia is still there, but now they call it feisty sauce. Um, and that that cartoon chicken, man. Ugh. So anyway, so Feisty out in uh, Rancho Cucamonga is, is there, and it keeps the Oporto, it's Oporto in spirit basically, but they've changed things around a little bit. I'd recommend if you get the Feisty Chicken Burger, to so get it without um, tomatoes and pickles because then it's a little bit closer to what Oporto and with cheese, because then it's a little bit closer to what Oporto intended.
0: <laughs> now, did they? Did you check to see if the any any ones in Australia also changed their names to Feist? No, or they're no. not. Oh, oh, this is just an American. This
1: is thing. just an American thing. Oporto is is like a, a recognized brand in in Australia. They they're they have many many restaurants all all over the country, and um, you know if you like Oporto on Facebook, then you get updates on when they open new stores and and I'm always hoping that they'll they'll come back to America but I feel like they're you know they opened a whole bunch of stores in um in the Rancho Cucamonga on Ontario area mm-hmm. they opened like 3 or 4 of them and then within like a year and a half it, it never really caught on with the public and and so they whoever was franchising it just changed the name and develop new menu items and stuff like that. so,
0: it's so strange, the whole franchise thing. You know, I, I remember my... I have a uncle who owns two Dunkin' Donuts, which are wildly successful on the East Coast, as <laughs> everyone knows. And him telling me, because I was like, why isn't there a Dunkin' Donuts in L.A.? Because actually, Dunkin' Donuts, where they sell their coffee at, like, the supermarket, L.A. is where they do the best. Mm-hmm. You know, people transplant from the East Coast and they want their they're double D's. And, um, he, you know, he told me that they had tried before, not him specifically, but that other Dunkin' Donuts owners had tried to franchise in the Los Angeles area and that it was not happening. I mean, they're, they're going again. There was a big announcement and like the media response has been enormous. And so apparently 2014 or 2015, something Dunkin' Donuts is coming. It'll be interesting to see how they do, but it, that's just weird to me how like even, like it's yeah, there's it's... no, you, you, you can't, you can't predict, like Cinnabon did not do well in China. Oh, interesting. They tried to go there. They were like, hey, look at this, Cinnabon, and didn't it didn't catch. do well. Their theory was because like people don't eat with chopsticks, and I was like, no, because <laughs> McDonald's does just fine and you're not eating burgers with chopsticks there. Uh, I don't know what it is. Yeah,
1: you can you can never predict. I in in going back to my my old rant about you know how it's all these fast food chains on the side of the road. Um, I recently took a a road trip across Texas, all through Central Texas, and it was funny. Um, it a lot of Central Texas sort of seems like what it would feel like taking a road trip on route 66 maybe 30 years ago mm-hmm. or something because a lot of places haven't been updated but um i drove through a ton of little towns that were maybe between 500 and 2, 000 people and every single one of them had a couple of like mom and pop barbecue places that were on the side of the road and a sonic and a dairy queen it was always a sonic and a dairy queen right next to each other i i must have Once I actually arrived in Dallas, I think I looked it up and there's only three um, Dairy Queens in the entire Dallas area, but I had to have passed by at least 17 of them during my, um, you know, 8 to 12 hour drive through through Texas. It was pretty fascinating. It just seemed like it's just a a staple of small town side of the the highway life.
0: Yeah. Well, that was another interesting thing of the franchise world that my, my Dunkin' Donuts cousin told me was that... There's the reason why they own two is because Dunkin' Donuts put pressure on them, basically saying to them, you know, if you don't open up another one, we'll give the license to someone else and you'll be competing with those other people. Oof. So you better open up another one. And, you know, like they didn't want to open up two. It's a lot of work to to just run one. So that's wow, that's often that. why you'll see. Um, I mean, this is I don't know if I'm like spilling any secrets, but blowing any doors open but uh that's what they said.
1: That's some serious. That's like uh that's like they they have to pay protection money to Dunkin Donuts. <laughs> yeah. It's like the it's donut like the mafia. mafia.
0: <laughs> but maybe that's why because I always wonder why I always see like 7-11s and other franchises that are so close to one another. Um, yeah,
1: I can, I can sort of guess that Oporto in Australia if, if if somebody was interested in franchising them and they wanted to try it out in a, a growing but still small community in California they'd be like yeah that sounds like a great idea but I think that um, you know I think that, that that type of food would actually be of more interest to urban dwellers you know especially in that price range it seems like the kind of thing sort of like those uh, Korean fried chicken joints mm-hmm. that, I mean those seem like they've I mean, those those have been popping up all over the place, and they're all they seem like they're always crowded and everything. Yeah, but well, maybe
0: it's because they're in the right neighborhoods. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. Th-
1: that's that's what I mean. Like, if they had if the, the the Korean fried chicken revolution had happened in Rancho Cucamonga, it might have died in a year and yes. a half. Yes,
0: absolutely.
1: <laughs> but as it is, you know, Oporto has pulled up steaks and and uh, gone back to Adelaide.
0: What um what foods did you grow up? eating that um that you said, you know, like what well, what's your normal diet like? But also I'm I'm curious about what foods you grew up eating.
1: Um well, my my mom was a nutrition major in in college, so growing up um she was, uh, she was always big on making sure that we ate a really balanced diet. So uh a lot of fruits and vegetables, a lot of, you know, Sort of American style comfort food that she'd make at home, Um, homemade stews and stuff like that, Mm. and uh, and then I don't know somewhere along the line, I think because I travel so much, I've gotten into pretty bad dietary habits, and I always uh, it it always seems to happen like in cycles when I'm working on films or whatever, so I think that um, the absolute My absolute low point, diet-wise, was when I was working on the White on Rice theatrical release Mm -hmm. from 2009 to 2010, just because I was traveling so much. I was always, like, either sleeping on couches or in hotels if, like, film festivals or whatever were providing them, and I was just eating sort of whatever was available, just like a lot of fast food and stuff like that, and it really is sort of... That lifestyle is a little bit addictive in a way like even even now i've been traveling so often for so long that if i'm in the same place for more than a couple weeks i start to feel like oh it's it's time to go again even if even if it's not really right um so i think that now hmm, i love cereal Mm -hmm. i i i started my day off today with with a bowl of multi-grain cheerios Mm and that felt pretty good um I was recently in Texas for a couple of weeks and I hit the barbecue pretty hard. I I love barbecue, especially uh especially Rudy's barbecue, <laughs> which is a chain that started in Austin. Well I didn't even know it was a chain, but when I was driving back to LA I passed through El Paso and there was a Rudy's on the side of the road and before I even knew what I was doing I was I was pulling over. Um so I'd say that I have a lot of food addictions, uh, and uh, it's, it's been hard to like acknowledge that, but uh, yeah. I'm curious have, how you
0: take your cereal.
1: I take my cereal with milk.
0: Regu- uh, regu- whole milk? Skim, Skim milk. Skim milk.
1: Yeah. And I used to do you doubt- add anything? Well, I used to, like as a kid. As a kid, I was the one who was always like sneaking out the sugar bowl, you know uh-huh. and I never really grew out of that until well, the last couple weeks, I've been doing pretty good about not like adding lots of sugar to stuff uh-huh. but I used to if I was eating like Cheerios or bran flakes or something else that was like pretty plain and not already sugary i'd be I'd be dowsing that stuff and and uh and sugar. And that's a, that's a habit I've been trying to trying to get out of as I as I get older and the old metabolism slows down.
0: Do you like your sh- your cereal soggy or crispy? Crispy. Right away.
1: Right away. I can't I can't do soggy cereal. It kind of grosses me out.
0: Are you one big bowl or two small bowls?
1: I am 3 to 4 medium-sized bowls.
0: Okay. <laughs> and what is your favorite cereal of all time? I uh, like cereal,
1: too. Well, that's a tough one. I'm always in the mood for different things. I really like the f- um, shredded wheat that's filled with, like, raspberry jam. Uh,
0: what? Yeah, what?
1: you never had that?
0: I've had the ones with raisins in the middle. Raisin squares.
1: No, they, there's another Strawberry
0: kind. Strawberry
1: jam. Yeah, they call them fruit in the middle. and
0: Fruit in the middle.
1: And it's sort of like the McRib. Oh, by the way, I never eat. I, I talk about how bad my eating habits are, but I never eat McDonald's or anything. like the only fast fast food that I really like is In n Out Burger, and Feisty, formerly known as Oporto, Oporto Porto. <laughs> May o Porto rest in peace.
0: Speaking of that and and cereal, I was shocked, flabbergasted, very upset to see that Cookie Crisp is no longer that lovable cookie burglar but is now like a wolf
1: and and it's you know i never I never, know really got in, I never really got into cookie Crisp. i me, just
0: liked the commercials and i was shocked shocked
1: cookies are such like a holy thing to me um
0: yeah if you like cookies you will not like cookie crisps because they're nothing the same yeah <laughs> yeah
1: i mean for me like having eating a cookie is a borderline spiritual experience and to have somebody um, you know sort of cheapen that and turn it into oh yeah you, you, let's pretend like this is breakfast we'll give you something that looks like cookies and you put it in a bowl of milk and you eat it and it's fortified with vitamins and minerals for me that's um, I don't know not only does it not taste good but it feels somehow disrespectful to what a cookie is supposed to be
0: now what is a cookie supposed to be? And do you usually bake these or do you get the is what what are is there is there any packaged cookie available on the market that you think is
1: Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll make I'll make do with packaged cookies when that's the only thing available. Like I I enjoy a, a Milano as much as the next guy, but
0: Pepperidge Farm?
1: Pepperidge Farm, yeah. They're okay. They're okay. But fresh baked cookies, um, my family has a couple of cookie recipes, one of which actually came from the New York Times um, for these uh, sea salt cookies, Ooh. sea salt chocolate chip cookies. Both my mom and my sister make them. And I, I have made them once, but uh, I didn't do as good of a job. But boy, they, they just really knock your socks off.
0: Are they um, the ones that are made with cake flour? maybe like just from a few years ago.
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I've yeah. had
0: them. They're amazing.
1: So, um I mean to to me the the thing here, here's another funny thing about Australia is that a lot of times if you buy cookies from a bakery there, they're cooked like to a crisp, you know? And um all, um but Australian people talk about the cookies at Subway as being, like, American style, or at least the Australian people that I was in contact with. I don't want to make gross generalizations here. Um, but I've always felt like the secret to good cookies is to realize that half the baking is going to come on the pan after they're already out of the oven. You know you don't leave them in the oven until they're done you take them out a little bit early and let them finish baking while they're just sitting on the stove and, and cooling down because if you over bake cookies it's just i don't know then you end up with cookie crisp
0: <laughs> you don't want cookie crisp yeah. how are your feeling what are your feelings about ginger snaps
1: i like ginger snaps a lot i like um i so mean there's
0: some cookies you'll accept as being a crisp
1: yeah, yeah, and even there's even some variety of chocolate chip cookies that I'll accept in crisp form. Like for example, I think that famous Amos is is one of the one of the better brands of bagged mini cookies. Um, but in terms of like biscuit style cookies, my favorite are Biscoff. Oh, yeah. That's why you
0: look speculoos.
1: Yeah, I love speculoos. Um,
0: cookie butter, A.K.A.
1: Yeah, cookie butter is amazing, and. Um,
0: Biscoff is good.
1: Biscoff are amazing. The only thing is, if you buy a tube of them at the store, I can eat, I can eat a whole tube of them without even getting full. You know? They, they, they leave an astonishing amount of room in your stomach, <laughs> even after you've consumed all of them. Dig-
0: digestive cookies, as, as they call when they Digestive crackers in Europe?
1: Yeah, like is, that, they, is that what they call or
0: That's what they call biscuits. Digestive biscuits. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, they're good for your health. And then I was like, these are chocolate
1: cookies <laughs> Yeah, no, they're definitely They're not good for anybody But, um, yeah, I don't know Cookies, man Well, I
0: think of you When I think of cake, I always think of you Because every Q&A we did for our movie uh, Sergeant Valentine Go would tell the story of how you guys met And he would always talk about how When you guys first met, you were at a bar He got a drink and you got a piece of cake yeah. So I forever associate since that time, um, cake with you. So I wanna know what cake let's talk cake. Let's well, talk
1: I, cake. I like
0: cake I, I like cake too.
1: I must confess I I'm more I'm more of a cookie guy than a cake guy, but oh, wow. there are Are you some... more of
0: a coo- a pie guy than a cookie or cake guy, or are you no, really just
1: cookie? Cookies cookies are, cookies are my thing but, but um I really love like a good chocolate silk pie. When I was in Texas, um, a lot of barbecue joints there will serve like chocolate mud pies mm. that are super simple but um, but very delicious. I think that with cake, you know, I have to be in the right mood for different kinds of cake because um, they're like like for example, uh, I could eat an oreo cream pie or like an oreo cake or or a chocolate cake milk chocolate cake pretty much anytime i have to be in the right mood for like a really really rich dark chocolate cake or like a molten yeah molten lava cake or something like that by the same token like fruit cakes or like strawberry shortcakes or things like that i i feel like when it if that's on the menu i'm almost always going to choose the chocolate thing over the fruit thing Um, with a few exceptions, you know, like, at the same time, if I'm at, like, a really nice bakery and they've got, like, a lemon custard tart or a fruit tart with fresh fruit on it, I'll choose, I'll probably choose that over a cookie or a chocolate thing.
0: Do you have a favorite bakery in Los Angeles or in anywhere else? (laughs) Uh, I,
1: I don't. I don't. Um, There's not
0: a place you go to. You just sort of wander?
1: I I used to. When I was living in New York, there were a couple of bakeries that I was a regular at, but the, they have all since faded from my memory. I'm trying to think of where I And then there used to be some places in Utah that I'd frequent quite frequently, but then when I went back recently, it was like it had, something had changed, and it wasn't quite the same.
0: What are your feelings about cupcakes?
1: Uh, well... I'm, I'm not a fan. I got to be honest. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I I eat them. I eat them all the time. I like the way they taste. It's more the um the delivery mechanism of a cupcake is is what bothers me about it because I prefer to eat cake with a fork and yes. having to I when I when I was a little kid, um, my parents would have to keep the the napkin dispenser right next to my my chair because I'd eat like a bite of food and then wipe my hands and wipe my face and then eat another bite by the end I would use up all these napkins and I've slowly slowly grown out of that but the sentiment remains I really hate having like sticky or you know otherwise weird you know slimy hands for any reason so having to unwrap a cupcake and then fit the whole thing in your mouth and I mean for somebody who's also a little bit messy and uncoordinated like me you know, I, I'd much rather have a cookie where it's clean delivery system or a piece of cake where I, where I can eat it with a fork and it's on a plate, you know?
0: I understand. Have you heard about the method of eating a cupcake where you remove the bottom, put it on the top, and then eat it as a, like an Oreo with the frosting in the middle? I haven't. Maybe it, you should try that next time. It might change. It might change. It might revolutionize you do they, the way you feel. Do they feel. serve it that way? Or? No, you, you, it's like, it's your, it's, you, you gotta do it. You gotta do that work. You
1: gotta do the work? Mm.
0: That's how Abe <laughs> likes to eat his,
1: really? his cupcakes. Oh, and okay. every time he
0: does it, I'm always fascinated and well, think that I'll do it too. But I'm with you. I like, I like a fork. I like a fork.
1: I'm, I've always been a fork guy. I, one of the, uh. You know, a lot of New Yorkers talk about how New York has the best pizza mm. in the world, and yada uh, yada. Yeah, 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 I, I, <sighs> pizza in New York for me is just like you. There's a pizza that's sitting there, and I'm just talking about just like a, a cheap pizza joint, you know, like a big slice, like New York, yeah, yeah. New York style pizza. There's a pizza that's sitting there. Who knows how long it's been there? You ask for a slice. The guy puts it in the oven, heats it up to five thousand degrees, and then puts it in a bag and hands it to you on, like, a paper plate. And it's already, like, dripping with grease. And um, for me, pizza is something that you eat with a knife and a fork. You know? I am not an animal. Um, <laughs> so I think that, the you know, I, I, I have a lot of... I mean, pe- people who are close to me often complain about all the different little weird hang-ups that I have, but especially about food, there's... There are certain things that i that I have a lot of trouble with it's th- th- this is gonna be weird, but I have a I have a really hard time sharing food Some- I do
0: too sometimes, but sometimes not it's very weird I have to be in the mood
1: yeah like sometimes it's it's absolutely no problem and when there's like an understanding going in if you're if it's gonna be family style and and stuff like that I've gotten used to that and everything but somehow there's like this and i don't I don't know what it comes from, but it's like man this is. This is my plate. This is like my area. You know, like I don't know. It, it's I. I've never gotten used to. Like I, I have a, I have a good friend that every time we go out to eat, he's always like, well, how about we do this? Uh, how about we order a bunch of different things and then share them. And then the first time we went out to eat, I was like, I was like, all right, sure. But then the stuff that we ordered, we ordered like a hamburger. And you know, there's all these other, all these things that are single-unit foods. Yes. Like, a, a hamburger is not... I, I can't picture a hamburger being eaten family style. You know, we, we cut it in... We sort of, like, haphazardly cut it in half, and it just ended up turning into, like, this big, messy burger casserole by the end of it. And it still tasted good, but...
0: Mmm, burger casserole.
1: <laughs> but by the end of it, I just found myself wishing, you know, like... This is nice but I, I feel like I'm just getting like a little taste of something that I'd want more of, you know.
0: How do you feel about sliders?
1: Uh well I sliders have to be done really well for for me to, to like them. I I don't mean well done, I mean they they're for me sliders like really come down to the condiments, the sauces and and everything and, and the quality of the meat. Um, You know, it seems like there's been like a slider boom over the past couple years And everybody feels like, every restaurant feels like they have something to say in the slider conversation And I feel like they should probably take a step back and reevaluate and realize that, you know Sliders are such a specific thing that I think that the places that are exclusively devoted to sliders Do a really good job with them And other places, not so much
0: What places are exclusively devoted to sliders, aside from White Castle?
1: Well see and then White castle's a whole other conversation cause oh. I, don't, I don't really
0: steamed steamed burgers <laughs>
1: yeah i'm not really in I'm not really into White castle, but in San Francisco, there's quite a few places yeah. uh, there's like a place called the slider bar that has a ton of different choices and different kinds of meats and um you know every once in a while there'll be some sort of you know Momofuku type place that'll put sliders on their menu, th- where they'll have some sort of really weird take on on it that is that is exciting. Um, and you know, one place that has decent sliders is the Harley Davidson Cafe, which is a what? Yeah, which is a chain. Um, you can buy a motorcycle, and you can also get sliders.
0: Can you really buy a motorcycle there?
1: Well, usually I've never seen a Harley Davidson Cafe outside of like a Harley Davidson dealership. So it's, um, and I haven't, I haven't been to one in a long time, so my memory may be failing me, but I do, I do remember thinking, Hey, these are, these are not bad, but sliders I think are actually pretty good sharing food. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm neither here nor there on it with, with burgers, with, with burgers in general. I, I feel like, um, there's a lot of places, especially in LA that have, like, 10 to $15 burgers that are totally worth it. Like, I'm a big fan of Umami Burger. Um, and then, but fast food burgers, I'll take, like, in and out over White Castle or Shake Shack in New York. In, in New York, People my... People
0: are really divided about Shake Shack in New York, I feel like.
1: Well, I feel like, yeah, I, Shake Shack is good. It's It's fine, but... My personal favorite cheap burger place in New York is Joy Burger. They have two location, locations. I used to live right next to one, on Lexington, like 103rd. And then there's also one that's like, kind of near NYU on or it's on Sixth Avenue, somewhere south. And Joy Burger is amazing, because you can choose your size of, the size of the patty that you want. You can go to like quarter pound, third of a pound, half pound, whole pound. You can choose, you know, it can be turkey. They have a really good veggie patty that they make in-house. And then the variety of sauces that that, that, that they have just boggles the mind, you know. They're all, like, fresh, made in-house. And uh, so Joy Burger, when people ask me for Eats in New York, is the place that I always direct them.
0: I'm, I've never even heard of Joy Burger.
1: It's relatively new.
0: Joy Burger. It's very easy to remember since... It's called Joy Burger, but also because we both know a woman named Joy.
1: That's right. Um, Hey, Joy.
0: One last question. We've been talking a lot about very, quote-unquote, Americanized food, but uh, something people probably wouldn't know unless they know you is that you are actually fluent in Japanese, and you have been to Japan. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a little curious about uh, your favorite Japanese foods because I really don't know much about Japanese food.
1: You know, I still feel like I'm I'm learning about um a lot of e- even though I speak the language, I I got to my level of fluency mostly outside of Japan itself. I hadn't I didn't even go to Japan for the first time until 3 years ago and I spent a grand total there of maybe like 6 to 8 weeks or something like that. So, um so I still feel like I'm learning a lot about it. The first place that i went to in japan was osaka and they they are famous there for their uh for a lot of different fried foods like takoyaki Hmm. which i had had outside of japan but having it in osaka where the food was born at some of the famous takoyaki stands and uh, well basically what it is is it's like a a fried dough ball with a with a tiny octopus in the middle and it is it can be uh, quite horrifying if 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 you get it in the wrong place um, outside of Japan, but actually having it in in Osaka was like wow, it was mind-blowingly delicious. And uh, some of the other things I had, um, well, the Osaka is also famous for kushikatsu, which is just fried stuff. They 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 love deep fried things there, um, and I took a while I was I was there for a film festival but I also took a little detour down to Kyoto by myself and it was right during right during like a festival of lights which was really awesome to see but um from what I understand Kyoto is also famous for uh tofu. There's like lots of different uh tofu that you can have there and so I was asking around asking people at the places where I was staying if they had recommendations for good tofu places and I found you know an, an old tofu joint that was been in the same family for generation after generation and um and that was really really interesting it was unlike any sort of tofu dish that i'd ever had in in the states or in any japanese restaurant that i that i'd been in before so I, I have eaten a lot of like the more um specialized japanese foods like i've tried blowfish and things like that but how's um, blowfish it's good you know it raw yeah is I, it
0: all the fish raw is there any no. fish that's cooked
1: yeah they they, they eat lots fire? of yeah they eat lots of lots of different varieties of cooked fish um personally i actually prefer raw fish over, over cooked and in, in general um i mean there's uh a lot of izakaya food is is um you know cooked fish like the, a, f- a fish that's like roasted on a skewer or something like that that you just that you just eat skin and all um, and that's that stuff tastes pretty good but for me like I, I actually prefer you know sushi over actual like cooked f- fish dishes or fish soups or stews or anything like that mm. um, but you know there's, there's still a lot left to explore in terms of Japanese cuisine and the last time I was there um I was only there for a couple days I was doing a a casting trip and so I ended up just kind of eating on the cheap a lot of the time when I I had time and uh, you know convenience stores in Japan actually offer a pretty good selection of different things like if you're um, I had like a omelette rice thing that I got from a convenience store that was was very very good I had a lot of Bento boxes that I just bought off the street that um, that were really good, and so I don't know. I I really love food in Japan, but I feel I, I still feel like even though uh, I have some experience learning to speak Japanese, that there's many many aspects of Japanese culture, including the food, about which I'm somewhat of a neophyte. And I feel like
0: I have gotten an education. Thank you so much, Dave Boyle. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> If you've listened to the last few episodes of the Actors Died podcast, I had a great giveaway sponsored by my producer on the web series Nice Girls Crew, Brenda Alvarez. She kindly donated two tickets to go to Disneyland, and, or, or any Disney, I should say, not just Disneyland, um, any theme park, and I am going to pick a winner of that right now um okay so I am going what you had to do was you had to write a review for me on iTunes and then leave a comment at theactorsdiet.com telling me what name you posted the review under it's a little bit of a time-consuming thing I understand that you have to join iTunes you have to write the review it's you know it's not easy but I think you know a day at Disney with your loved ones or loved one, as I should say, um, for free is is pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. So, um, okay, I'm going to pick my winner right now from the comments going by random. And the winner is, I wish I had a drum roll. I have to count the numbers, sorry. Okay, so the winner is Katie. Uh, She said, She wrote a review under this name, which is a bunch of numbers and letters, so I'm going to go over and read that review right now. And her review, by the way, I'm loving these reviews. Thank you so much to everyone. I know that you were only writing them because you wanted a free trip to Disney, but that's okay. I appreciate them. I asked for it. Okay, this is what she wrote. Uh, She wrote, as a reader for the last year or so, I was so excited to learn that Lynn was going to unveil her voice to the world with her quirky podcasts. Each episode is unique in its delivery and content while still maintaining a relaxed environment that makes me feel as though I'm in the room with Lynn and her guests. I love learning about new restaurants that I could actually see myself going to across the U.S., as well as finding out more about Asian dishes that I wasn't familiar with while growing up. Lynn's openness about her history with food really helps her guests be vulnerable as well, I think. And this is a true gift to the podcast listeners. Above all, Lynn knows how to have fun in her episodes, and she has great taste in music. Hello, Postal Service. Why, thank you. I highly recommend subscribing. Best foodie podcast. Sorry, I was so excited I just pronounced that word wrong. Best foodie podcast out there right now. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you, my dear, and I hope you have fun at Disney and that when you do go, you'll um, agree to come on the podcast in the future and let me know how it was. Um, anyway, that's it. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I'll talk to you later. Bye.